Welcome to episode 89 of the Daz and Daz NBA podcast and uh, sadly what might be the final episode of the 2020 season, Daz. Uh, before I throw to you, I just I want to bring up a, a, a sort of a, a message that we sent back and forth. We often talk back and forth online uh, before we have these podcasts. And there was one just after the season was shut down due to coronavirus that you said to me, if someone had told you 10 years ago that the Bucks had the MVP favourite, were the favourites to win the title uh, and leading the Eastern Conference by about five games, uh, that a global pandemic would shut the whole league down, that you probably would have taken that bet. I would have believed you, yeah. <laughs> I totally would have believed you. Yeah, it's it's um, more of the woe is me Bucks fan, and every every good player we've ever had's had a torn ACL, it seems, at some point. But uh, yeah, this has been a um, it's the woe was me modern version of if there's one team that had more to lose than than the Milwaukee Bucks because of coronavirus, I'd be hard pressed to name it. It was interesting because it went from it escalated so quickly because it went from within the next week you're expecting an announcement to play in front of empty gyms and, and where do we go from there to just the whole league suspended. And obviously they had to do that once once Gobert tested positive. But it just, it, it was a real shock to the system and I think it was a domino effect for a lot of world sports um, that just after that shut themselves down as well and said that this is, this is really what we need to do from this point on. Yeah, it was lightning quick, wasn't it? It was Go Baron. He had that. Uh, now it looks like the most embarrassing press conference of all time, where he's touching the microphones and rubbing stuff, and you know, being a bit of a, just being really loose with it. All of a sudden, to go, oh my God, he's public enemy number one. And you know, Donovan Mitchell came out and had those statements about, you know, how unimpressed he was with Rudy. He wasn't sure if they could. Some quote to the effect that basically said they. They've got a lot to overcome now in their relationship and trust being broken. Mm. So I reckon Rudy was probably did a lot more than just that goofy um, that goofy conference, as it were. But yeah, you could see once that happened, it was it was that was the end of it. And I don't know. I think the NBA caught a lot of flack for what happened, but all it's this is such a it's almost hard not to talk about it. It's such a, a rapidly evolving thing that. It, I actually think they did a pretty good job, all things considered, to just get stuff closed down and um, games cancelled so rapidly. Well, um, I think the key to any decision, tournament. Yeah. Well, the key to any decision around this is to act very, very decisively, and that's what the NBA did. Just automatically, thirty day shutdown, yeah. and then we'll reassess. And obviously, they've reassessed even since then, and it's now shut down to at least the end of June. I mean, what's your sense from everything you're reading? The two leaves. Uh, What's going to happen with the rest of the, with the NBA season? Are we going to see playoffs, and is it going to be Christmas Day, Game Seven of the NBA Finals, Daz, or or would you would you think yeah. it's more in line with the season will just be cancelled like the nine ninety four MLB season? Boy, you you probably have to put me on a timer here and and pull me back out, Daz. It's that's a really complicated question. Um, several factors, right? One, we've got you got payer payment, uh, payer. Jeez, let's try again. <laughs> players getting getting paid, right? Right. Payers players get paid all throughout the season, right? They get paid fortnightly or whatever it is. But a lot of teams, right? A lot of teams make a crapload of money in the playoffs, right? So you've got this tension of both the revenue sharing at a league wide level and owners themselves desperately, desperately want some sort of playoffs even if it's a truncated playoff and it's one perhaps even played with no fans in front of it. So, well, and the CBA um, is tied to league revenue. So there's there's that underlying factor well, as well. That's exactly, sure that's exactly right. right. That so that's, yeah, well, it's, the, 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 it's unclear, right, that um, it's actually unclear whether or not players have earned their 82 games worth of salary because that's based off of a, a full full season year, a full full calendar year, uh, and an 82 game slate. And players don't get paid extra for playoff games, so it's 82 games, uh, which is why they they base it off the regular season. So 
I know there is some uh, it has not been closed whether or not the players will receive have they earned it if they've earned it will they be paid all of their income or is this actually foregone income for players let's say but roughly 20% of the season was left will they have to give you know will they will they therefore not earn 20% of this year's income that's a tactical thing all right the broader question to your point is that what this does to Right. If league, league revenues are, are, are down in the way they will be dramatically without a playoffs, um, certainly without the um, gate, gate sales be one part. If they can get them on TV and save it, I think they will. This will have a, a material effect on the salary cap then, right, Daz, um, uh, moving forward. So that's, that's a big consideration, number one, is revenue and the impact on the salary cap. Number two, then, is... Um, probably even more so than this year's playoffs. They want to try to preserve an 82-game season next year. Mm. And so you, know, you start getting into significant issues. If you start a season in December, how do you ever get off the treadmill, Daz, of not starting a season every single December? How would you ever stop it? Right? If you're, not, if you're starting it in December and doing the things they've been doing with player safety and you know reducing back-to-backs and reducing the you know, the four games and six nights stuff that used to be pervasive and stick with the stuff. It's almost like you'd be, you'd have to accept a permanent reset of the whole calendar year. And it has all kinds of different impacts on TV, TV revenue, um, uh, sort of the TV contracts and what your broadcasting partners think of a schedule like that. What happens with no, no NBA in October, November, uh, or until Christmas as it were. So, if the season's undelayed and it's still 82 games, you're permanently looking at a schedule change, which then changes the entire um, everything around free agency and the draft and college kids, all that stuff not happening till August, September. And so, just there's a whole bunch of moving parts that have to get shifted with that. So, the short answer is um, then back to this season. Even as a Bucks fan, I'm pretty much resigned to there not being an NBA champion. I think this thing is going to be crazier and more stressful and have such widespread economic recession and social, very damaging socially. They'll probably bond us in some ways, but it's going to be, it's going to be something we're going to deal with for many, many months, Daz. And I can't imagine sport, right, a, wanting to take any risks um, to put any players or any people at any sort of, you know, exposure and in in rushing anything through the process. So I imagine they're going to be very very cautious with this season. So I'm yeah, resigning well, myself I... to having a null a null championship, having a 1994 baseball season, right, which was no no champion. The famous Montreal Expos and Tony mm-hmm. Gwynn's chase for 400, two historic historic things happening in 1990. 94 and the baseball strike, you know, kiboshed it. Oh, it was a strike, so it was all self-inflicted. But um, I'm resigning myself that the Bucks won't have a playoffs that will give out the regular season awards. I think that will still happen, and we'll have a, a delayed calendar year with, you know, we'll probably have delayed medical examinations and delayed, you know, sort of um, uh, camps and tryouts, right, for, you know, for the draft and, and, and players, uh, players entering the league, uh, and we'll have a weird award ceremony um, later in the year, and the league will start up. I can't imagine it starting up before like a December time frame, as with any sort of crowd. So well, that's what I'm reading. That's, that's my, what I'm reading. Yeah, my guess yeah. is I think they will uh, try and make again try and be decisive. I think you'll see a decision some stage in May uh, to say. The season's done, but we're going to try and aim for a, the next season to start in November or thereabouts in empty stadiums, and then hopefully by December you're playing in front of crowds again. That would be my guess because, to your point, yeah, I think if you yeah. do start in yeah. December, you then how do you, as you say, how do you get off that treadmill? The other point I'd make is, and I think there's a real reputational risk if you try and go ahead during this time. And I, and I floated the idea that you want to just go to Vegas and put all the players there and play all the games there. But, you know, when you actually stop and think about it, you think, well, if someone contracts it, 
you know, let's say touch wood, Greg Popovich gets it, you know, uh, from the Spurs, one of the older um, generation of coaches or officials gets it and passes away or they pass it on to someone else that, that passes away with, with the disease, which we know, you know, is 10 times more deadly than the flu. So it's a serious thing that the reputational damage that the, the NBA would go, would rightfully go through in that situation is just not worth thinking about. So it's, and it's not worth playing the playoffs just to sort of say we can get this season out, you know, out of the way um, as, as important as a lot of those sort of factors are with the money and the TV revenue and the and, and the salary cap and things like yeah. that. So yeah. I think that will that will bear into the thing. Yeah. And also, yeah. you've also got to think about going forward. You just don't want to be butting up against the NFL too much in America either when you're playing these playoffs series. The NFL's sort of getting underway... And, and you've got summer where people are sort of outside doing their own things anyway. So the TV ratings might not be as strong as what you think, even if people are sort of hanging out the season basketball. Um, yeah. I think overall... Well, I, just, no, you just triggered a thought for me. I was thinking, though, um, this is this is gruesome, right? This is painful. This is, puts a pit... This is putting a pit in a lot of people's stomachs. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of human loss, right? Not... You know, obviously the medical loss and the and the horrific fatality rates for people at risk, economic loss all over the place, and job loss and all the stress. Taz, I think when the season comes back, it's going to be like we're going to love basketball like we've never never loved it before. I reckon the pre the appreciation factor is going to be so high that I think the NBA brotherhood, you know, this thing where they've you know, we don't have many, many, you know, many enemies anymore for Harden and, Harden and Giannis, which is actually a bit <laughs> quite refreshing. I actually think it's actually going to be a really bonding thing. And I think there's going to be, I just can imagine it, right? I imagine what, remember what sports was like for me. It was remembering post 9-11 and things got back and there was just a, you know, even if you lost to the bleeping Cubs or something like, you know, or, you know, the, the bleeping Patriots did, right? They're called the bloody Patriots. And these these things that happen to all of us, and sports can be a way to actually kind of heal. So I actually believe when it starts back up, as interest is going to skyrocket, whether it lasts for the whole season or not, I don't know. But I think there's going to be a massive, massive spike when it does come back, even if there's no people in the stadium. But I think the the broader thing for me is to watch out, and I think you've alluded to it, saying there'll be some decisiveness with coming from Adam Silver's offices. We'll look at the medical community and how quickly will they develop a vaccination, right? That's that's what the scientific community is working probably f- ten times faster than they are about the, uh, you know, and rightfully so than they are about all these complex things to navigate it. Is if a vaccination is developed in let's say September October, which should be a, a pretty reasonable time frame, super super rapid. But given how how terrible this is a reasonable time frame if you listen to the scientists now then getting it through all the various countries fda equivalents of approval mm. for it to be distributed is, is the next question but i think as that the vaccine the, the likelihood of vaccination becomes closer um i think we'll start to see anxiety levels drop and as testing becomes more and more rapid and easier to, to test for the virus i could see it as you were saying if it's right the players and staff and coaches, it's whatever, I don't know what the number is, 100 people in the stadium, right? Literally no fans involved. And everyone there can be tested or has already been tested. You know that you're at least going into a safe environment. So at least those players can play without fear, right? Um, so as testing gets better, as the vaccination gets closer, I think we'll get, I think you're right. I think we'll see something. But just in terms of my emotional preparation as a Bucks fan, I'm expecting there's going to be no playoffs, and it doesn't even bother me given that this is a sport, it's entertainment, it pales in comparison to things we're all dealing with day to day. Um, and so I'm kind of resigned myself to that. Uh, I'll find a little bit of solace in Giannis' second MVP and the fact that the, all the national yappers got, got truncated <laughs> around the LeBron for MVP, MVP chatter. Uh, to be honest, kind of done, happy that's died down. And, uh, yeah, we'll all just sort of move on together, I think. Obviously, the big yeah. loser was was uh, Giannis and the Bucks, But uh, I sort of felt like LeBron 
this was one of his last shots potentially at it. I mean, and he was having a magnificent season. I mean, he's probably got what, maybe two, who knows how long LeBron's got playing at this level. But this was one of the seasons where he's still playing some of his best basketball and was a chance to make a long playoff run. So they were the two main losers I sort of saw out of it, Daz, was, was obviously the Bucks shot at their first title since, when was it, in the 70s? At some stage, with uh, with Kareem yeah. uh, and and LeBron, yeah. uh, a chance with with AD to get AD's first first title. Was there any other sort of losers that you saw? I mean, obviously the whole league is a, is a loser in a sense. But but that, would you agree with me that those are the two sort of main losers um, that we'll look back on if this season is cancelled? Is that that's the big shame of it? Oh, for for sure, it's for sure. Um, and that introduces, right, it just introduces perhaps a bit of doubt where there wasn't any doubt before um, is on Giannis and the Supermax. Um, so what's it going to mean, you know, for him not to be able to see out this this run with this crew? Um, will it affect his signing a Supermax if when we do have an off season, he's now eligible for? Um, probably introduces a bit of a doubt there as well, but... Um, but clearly, LeBron and his age, you know, father time is is undefeated. So, um, yeah, you do feel, I do feel a bit for LeBron not having a, a chance at it. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I think that's the, the two obvious ones. The Clippers, you know, um, they still got they got tons of money. They're going to be getting a new stadium if Ballmer has anything to do with it. So they're still in, the, I think, the early years of a very – Upward trajectory. Oh, Kawhi's maybe only they got one a, more year of Kawhi and PG, and then they could both leave. Yeah, technically, that's true. I don't think they will, but they could. That's true. Yeah, most of the guys are both in their prime. I guess is what I was more looking at. Mm. Um, Houston, I suppose that's a weird thing for for them. As much as we like to belittle them, what you do have to respect Morion is that he knows he's got a superstar and his. Um, and his window is, you know, is only so long, and Moore is using everything, every trick in the book to try and give him as many resources as possible. Um, and so, and then Tony, obviously, on it is a lame duck coach. So I, you do, in a way, um, putting the personalities aside for a minute, you do feel for a franchise like that who couldn't see this out and see it through. Um, and so very likely, Dan Tony's going to leave. If it's already been a, a foregone conclusion for quite some time, I think that's, I think it's a near certainty now. So they're going to have that that sense of unfinished business um, in Houston. Um, but yeah, that's probably the big ones. You do think about teams like, I guess, if I'm a Steph Curry and a Clay Thompson, or if I'm KD, um, you know, and or even Vic Oladipo for that matter, who coming off of really significant injuries, I suppose in, in one regard, I probably feel a little bit better that, you know, uh, in a way, in a selfish way, uh, that the league hasn't sort of, you know, hasn't kind of moved past them. The league's kind of come back to them with this sort of frozen in time aspect. So I he's both little tiny, I guess it's not a benefit. I'm really stretching it here, Daz, but players like that, I think, have a little bit of, you know, a little bit of a relief anyway that, mm. you know, there's no new, you know, new, new, new Titan team or new superstars emerged or, you know, if they, if guys measure their weight based on ring counting, you know, if I'm, if I'm Durant, I certainly don't mind that the fact that LeBron doesn't win another title this is how they measure against themselves. Right. Is, is that sort of thing. So I think KD is probably okay in, in one way. How confident are you, how confident are you that the Bucks were going to get it done? Come the playoffs. Well, like, um, yeah, extremely. But I go, I'd still put their chance at winning the title, like at what, probably thirty-five percent. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the Clippers and the, the Lakers are legit, 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 right? And I, I'm, you know, um, I'm not a fool, but I think, right, confident about the East, really confident. Like it would have taken some crazy stuff again, and I probably would have thrown my hands up in the air and and look. To be honest, I go if Giannis was if this team was healthy and they lost another a six game series to a Toronto or a Miami for all the same reasons as last year, I go, all right, not good enough. Hmm. Right? So I'd be every devastated, but I go, well, you know, the Buffalo Bills were never good enough. The Utah Jazz 
you know, they just were never quite good enough. And you go shrug your shoulders and go, it's really fucking hard, especially in the NBA. And you, you know, I had this conversation for years. You look at the list of teams who've won the NBA titles. It's Jordan, Bird, Magic, LeBron, right? It's like you literally, Tim Duncan, there's like 10 players who've ever like won a title, quote unquote, right? It's really, really, really hard. There are, you know, top 20 players of all time who've never won a title, right? From from Barkley to Carl Malone to this and that, right? So mm. um, I would have put him as the favorite still, but that favorite isn't like a, a you know, a 73 and 9 Warriors favorite or any of the last few years Warriors teams favorites where you thought it only takes catastrophic injuries for them to lose one, i.e. KD and, and Clay going down, so... I'm not naive to it. So very confident they'd rip through the East as very confident. Um, if they hadn't, I would have thought, wow, something would have been really wrong. But if they'd gone to the, the finals and lost to the Lakers four to one, I go, yeah, the Lakers are really bleeping good. So I, um, yeah, I, felt the same. Them, I, you know, I felt they would yeah. get through the East. Uh, I, I gave them a very good chance. I, as I said, uh, I think in their last pod, Miami was the only team I sort of had a bit of an eyebrow raise. Maybe they could push the Bucks in the East. Everyone else uh, had too many flaws for my liking. But in terms of the NBA Finals, it was a toss-up for me. It was a real 50-50 uh, between them and, and the Lakers I had slightly ahead of the Clippers but I, I, I felt like too the Clippers we were going to see the real Clippers stand up in the playoffs and, and maybe that would be better than the Lakers yeah. so that's another thing that we're probably not going yeah. to see um, at this point so uh, yeah I, I agree I think I think it was a bit of a toss up but they were as good a, they were as good a chance as they've, they've had since the Kareem days I mean I don't think there's any question about that um, they've had some nice teams yeah. Bucks, but never a a, a true contender, uh, the way this team was shaping up to be, um, and, and yeah, at least I guess for Milwaukee, it's not like it's all going to come to an end the next season. Like they, they'll still have a good, you would imagine, three or four years at least, uh, if, if you're assuming Giannis resigns um, of, of contending right at the very top of the Eastern Conference. Uh, well, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably a little bit less optimistic just to jump on that one because I go, this is. This is a really old team, Daz. If you look at the average age of the Milwaukee Bucks based on minutes played, right? So you took all the sum total of all the minutes played on the court and the average age of that. I think they're the oldest or second oldest team in the league, if I'm not mistaken. Because right, George Hill plays a lot. And Brooke Lopez plays a lot. And Corver was still contributing. And Ilya Sova plays a lot. So this is an old team. That's where I kind of go. Um, and a lot of them are on, you know, they've locked in for a while. So they're going to need some X factors to kind of, you know, and they don't have a, well, they do actually have the draft pick this year. Um, but they're going to need, they're going to need some X factors. I think Daz, in order to keep, if they want to even sniff a season, like a 65 win season or 68, whatever they were going to win this year, they could probably win 58 next year without blinking an eye. But if, you know, 58, 57 win teams aren't exactly, you know, unless you're super fit for the playoffs. So that's one thing I go, a lot of veterans, that are going to, you know, you risk them kind of falling off a cliff at any moment. That might be a fair um, point. I mean, I think that it, it's fair to say this year and next year and, and even the this sort of three-year span, if you like, might be the best iteration we see of this particular group of bucks. But I think while you keep Middleton and Giannis together in particular, you're always going to be up around... Uh, the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, That's fair. And, and given the yeah. weakness of the Eastern Conference, I think Giannis alone may see them do a number of finals trips, and, unless something changes in the East. And obviously Kevin Durant coming back may be one of the things that changes um, in that. Although yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that's going to yeah. be the, the seismic shift that some other people uh, seem to think it does. We'll, we'll believe, I'll believe it when I see it, put it that way, um, coming back from such a such a rotten injury. There is one winner, though, Daz. I've found one winner that we can have if the season is called off. Can you guess who the winner is? Is it a person or a team? A team. So, Are you going to go with Memphis because they're locked into a theoretical no, eight so seed? The, or, no. If the season ends today... No. The one winner will be the San Antonio Spurs because the playoff run continues, Des. <laughs> Touche, sir. Pop will say it, you know. You know didn't what? play it out. Can't say we didn't miss the playoffs. Can't say we missed can't it. Can't say we if missed we, the playoffs. If we, we cancelled it. So. <laughs> uh, 
That's gold, yeah. So technically we could have but still I, made it. Well played, sir. Well played. Actually, but, um, another question without notice. Yeah. Should I get my money back on the Golden State uh, for the title bet that I put on before the season started? Were they still a mathematical chance? We should do that actually before we at least actually say goodbye to the season. We'll go back to our predictions like oh, Duncan Dad. Danny just did. We'll go back to those. Well, they're probably pretty good. I, you know, I know the two things I nailed was I, I refused to even talk about 10 teams in the East. I go, nailed it. <laughs> I didn't even want to have a conversation from Orlando on down. I was 100%. I bet at 100 on the East. And I, I had Golden State missing the playoffs. I didn't have it being this bad, but I thought that was just going to be a transition year. So I'm pretty com- I was pretty confident that they'd miss the playoffs. But um I think we both had Houston number one. I think we both grossly underestimated how good the Lakers would be, didn't we? But um anyway, yeah. Well I had um, Kenny Atkinson yeah. as my coach of the year tip and he got fired just before the season. I'm not real you know, keen I, to revisit my tips. Well, also I, I also turn my fantasy league upside down to try to acquire Kyrie Irving and it never happened and lo and behold it's probably probably for the better the poor not poor guy the guy can't stay healthy mm-hmm. but um but yeah I, I would do say you know um there was a whole bunch of storylines I'm really Bucks you know title chase obviously being number one but there was so many fascinating storylines and possibilities just I'm just gutted we didn't get to see play out well what are the teams i mean who, who are the teams that you really annoy you, you were just looking forward to seeing and maybe pick one from each conference that you're really looking forward to see what are these what is this team going to do come the playoffs and then i guess opening that up to questions of what they do after the playoffs are finished assuming they didn't win the title well the obvious the probably the two big ones right maybe i have a third one because one's so obvious is the whole planet wanted to know um could the Philadelphia 76ers pull this thing together? Assuming Ben Simmons, you know, this impingement wasn't anything serious, which is a big if, right? Is could this team um, hold it together? Because that is the most, that's the most wobbly, that's the most wobbly quote unquote contender in the whole league, right? From the front office on down, I think Elton Brand's seat is really hot. I think Brett Brown's seat's really hot. I think the fit, right, is the, the coldest take in the league is the, the fit between their two stars, you know, and how that would play out. And so that for me is the big one is would the playoffs perhaps give them a bunch of galvanizing moments or do like what we saw, you know, with, with the Bucks putting the, the nails in the Celtic coffin, pretty much sealing Kyrie's fate in Boston last year. Would that have been another, another thing where if they would have got trucked by say the Bucks or whomever, you know, that might've, you know, watching Philly get beat in a five game series, you know, by a team at the top of the East might have sent that franchise in a different direction. So that, for me, is the big one, right? It's going to be galvanized, yeah, just to, just to, swept. Yeah. yeah, just to leverage off that point, Daz, I mean, it's an interesting position some of those clubs are in now because I would have thought Philadelphia would have been thinking, if we flame out in the playoffs, Brett Brown's done, for argument's sake. Now they don't have the chance to pull it together in the playoffs. We'll never know. That could save yeah. Brett Brown's job, or that they just go, you know what, Maybe. the writing's on the wall, Brett Brown needs to go anyway. Um, it, it's a very awkward situation to be sitting there when, you know, so much is going on that's obviously much bigger than basketball, but you've still got to make these sort of narrow-minded basketball decisions where do we, do we get rid of a coach that's been there for so many years and, and beloved by a lot of people within the franchise at a time like this? I mean, there's there's a whole heap of decisions that these teams need to make um, at a time when you know, the, the league's still in limbo and a lot of... Uh, parts of the people's personal lives are still in limbo. So that's going to be one of the fascinating things to see how some of those things, even D'Antoni in, in Houston, which we touched oh, on, how these things play out. A great point. Yeah, and you just got me thinking in the last two recent years where I forgot about the Brett Brown angle, but um, just because we live rightly or wrongly, and I think you and I both subscribe that basketball in the regular season actually matters. Um, it matters for a lot of reasons, for player development, for the fact it's an entertainment, for the fans, right, for the spirit of competition, it matters, right? And so, but we we still, the broad conversation, right, quote-unquote, the regular season doesn't matter, right? 
as, Le- as LeBron and Kawhi and others have sort of ushered that in with rest and all the rest of it. But um, so taking away the playoffs also takes away the opportunity to see what we saw in real time with Dwayne Casey melting down when he just got so frustrated on the bench with the uh, raps being completely flummoxed yet again, not not having any idea how to defend or defeat LeBron James, basically watching Dwayne Casey lose his job whilst on the sideline in the second quarter of a game. Um, so there's meltdown moments, i.e. What, what, would that have been Brett Brown? Or might have Brett Brown been, you know, um, Brad Stevens 2018, the year before, when he had lost Kyrie, right? And and wasn't Horford injured as well? Kyrie and someone. But anyway, remember the, the young kids, Brown and Tatum and, and Rozier? They knocked the Bucks out, right? You know, this young team with a young coach pushing all the right buttons. You know, might have Brett Brown had one of those moments where he just pushed all the right buttons. And so, yeah, that's that's a massive, massive unknown question now is what does this team have? They didn't get the – they get a chance to play it out. Um, what do you do? Do you trust it? Do you trust Elton Brand to, to build the roster around it? So that, that for me is team number one. It had so many questions that could have been – addressed at least in part through a playoff run the other one i guess was the um i've been and this is my bias you you probably need to jump in here and and I, but i've been i've been obsessed with oklahoma city all season i was in on them i loved the trade i love how chris paul has played hard they've been a team pretty much since you know since they tipped off in october and Yes, they got a truckload of draft picks, and they've got this Hall of Fame point guard, and they've got tradable assets and players like Schroeder's and Adams might be borderline untradable, but Gallo certainly, you know, um, you know, an attractive asset, if not an expiring one now, an ascending young player like Sh- like like Shea, like that team if optimized, you know, that could have been, they could have been a really really pesky out in the second round of the. Of the finals, and who knows? They might have had a Portland-like run in them. You just don't know, right? Like Portland last year. So that for me is the other team. I've been, I just loved how they've played all season long, and that was just the way they fought. Um, now that, that that franchise probably isn't, but they weren't going to learn a lot more, right? So that was more just about my my personal view. I think I we probably wouldn't learn a lot more about Chris Paul that we don't already know. So. From a basketball standpoint, I'm disappointed. But from an NBA status and where's their franchise at, yeah. they haven't. They didn't really have a lot at stake. No, this year. I think I, I think you would have loved to have seen them take on the Clippers in the first round for argument's sake, because uh, I think they could yeah. have been a really frisky yeah. opponent against the Clippers, who played in fits and spurts. And it's like you better be, be ready yeah. to play 48 minutes when you're taking the uh, the court against OKC. Yeah. This is. I think Denver's more the team I look at and think. Could we have learned a bit more about Denver? And and because Jamal Murray was actually playing some better basketball just before the the league uh, went into hiatus, and Jokic was putting together another really nice season. This Jokic is becoming a guy that just plays his way into shape as the season goes on. Um, so I think we can always just sort of throw out the first couple of months of a Jokic season and expect that he's just playing his way into shape. Jeremy Grant was having a, a career year, certainly shooting the ball from three and looked like a really good addition. So I'm not sure. I don't think they would have won the title or anything like that. I'm not going to go out in that limb, but I think we may have seen some development from them based on where they were last year, where they, of course, went out to Portland in the second round. They only just sort of squeaked by the Spurs in the first round. I think they would have been a bit more competent than that this year, and that would have been a step forward for them. And then I guess that informs their decisions going forward into the off season um, to sort of see where this this franchise is at so and and you would have seen Michael Porter Jr as well potentially in the playoff series so I think there was a lot of questions there I think that the fans I'm not sure if you feel the same way I know I'm probably a little bit higher on I think that's a good one I think that's very well said I agree with all of that I think that's very well said the the one thing I would say is that um, but they're all going to be back right so I I think that 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 team kind of knows who they are and they might need to trade some pieces. But again, I don't know if we'd learn a lot more about them. I think it's a missed opportunity for them to kind of a measuring stick. Um, but I think it, no one would have been surprised if they got beaten five by the Clippers or Lakers. And I don't think anyone would hold anything against them. I think they're still just a bit short, 
where I thought you were going to say was a team like Utah, who kind of put all their chips, a bit all their chips in the middle to get Mike Conley, who had a miserable few months, right? But looks like he was starting to find his shot and starting to play a little bit better basketball. And they started to find their bench again. And again, I don't think that would have made them really serious contenders. But I think that's the team I feel like's missed out on their measuring stick, right? Is how good how good they could have been because they added such a this this character in Conley. Or, or, well, I think too. I, I think a significant given, piece, yeah. I think given the free agency landscape, I think most of the teams in the NBA were locked into a two-year window. Of, this is our team. I don't think there was any going to be any serious free agency. There was certainly not any major free agents well, that's probably going fair. on the market. I mean, yeah. Anthony Davis was yeah. the biggest name going on the market, and he's almost certainly going to just re-sign with the Lakers. The next best name under that was probably DeMar DeRozan. I mean, that shows you how how big the fall-off is uh, to the next, next free agent. So I think most teams... I think they were only sort of learning a little bit. Well, where where do we stand, and where do we need to? What what parts of their game do individuals maybe need to develop uh, across the off season? I don't think we're going to see any major moves from any of these franchises uh, across the coming off season. Certainly not in in the area of free agency, and probably not even in the area of trading pieces around. I just think most teams would have been happy. Let's let's run this out for two years. Let's see what the Clippers do. Does either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard become available? There would have been a lot of. There's going to be a lot of moving pieces at the end of the 2021 season, rather than what there would have been at the end of this uh, current 2020 season. So I'm not sure. You know, when you when you're looking at yeah. the direction of a franchise, um, that the playoffs this year would have would have played a major role uh, for any particular franchise. But I mean, having said that. What what franchises do you think you are most interested in seeing? Well, okay, uh, given the season that we just saw, th- there's obviously a couple of candidates that can just say, you know what, we're going to start sell- selling pieces off and, and doing some trades to sort of get younger and blow it up, as it were. I mean, do you see any particular standout candidates uh, to, to that should be looking to do that or should be able to do that. And the other quick point I'd make on that before I throw up to you is we're looking at a very, very weak draft class that now, on top of that, doesn't also mm. have a, the NCAA tournament to, to judge players off, and that could also hurt players' development mm. as they come into the league. So there's another sort of layer to that as well, I think, to, for teams to look at. So there's the there's probably the one category of um, of category team, which is like the semi or quasi contenders, right? Are any are the people are the teams at the top of the league? Is there anyone in that category that is your question? Like, which one of those do you think is going to face kind of a big blow it up question? Is that the is that your question? Well, I think you look at it. Are there, are there teams on the cusp of the playoffs or on the lower end of the playoffs? That you just say you're oh. now caught in the dreaded NBA middle. Let's let's blow it up and go down, down below. Or are there? I, I guess. And then there's the other tier of teams that keep sort of headbutting the ceiling, like Toronto used to do, until they they made a massive move and went and got Kawhi Leonard in. So I guess there's that. There's those two categories of teams. Sorry, the, 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 the line was just broken one. up a little bit. So that's okay. Okay, I got it. I got it. So yeah, few. So so few teams i'll do might just rapid fire a few one as you just mentioned it is is toronto having this kind of brilliant kind of renaissance season is what do you do with lowry right um do you keep him around do you shop him in the off season um you let this sort of team kind of um just sort of uh, uh what's the word just take their own momentum and their own development as as modest as a ceiling as it might be and just let it play out and let Lowry go, but or they look to move Lowry in the off season. You know, hit contract's a big one, but right, that's that's a miniature blow it up if you if you sort of move off Kyle Lowry. So that's that's one team I, I would find interesting. Well, here's one thing that stopped um, me with Toronto. I'd play back, and hmm. I and I know you probably won't like the thought of this, but I'd play back the video of Giannis's knee wobbling a little bit against the Lakers, and think. We're one injury away from going back to the NBA Finals in this the Eastern Conference, the way it's set up at the moment. 
So that we really need to make massive moves based on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's maybe point. Really like, the way they look at it. Masai, no, that's right, you know, but I, at the same time, I think that's a very fair way, and that's probably how Masai, also a hyper-competitive guy like Masai is, but also at the same time, as I think they probably realize, again, if you watch Toronto play the Bucks, that is a terrible matchup now for Toronto without Kawhi, duh. Yeah. They just didn't have any obvious advantages against them, and so I think it was a really, really tough matchup. Well, I think um, they're so in the same position, aren't they, they as when yeah. LeBron was in the t- in the conference, and they're probably hoping bit. someone else yeah. can knock LeBron off because we're not going to be able to. And I think it's the same, maybe not with Giannis individually, but certainly with the way this Bucks team's built, uh, they're just not built to, yeah. to compete with them at the moment. Yeah. The team. So then there's the the team that I, I, I so the team that's sort of knocking on the playoffs. It's got probably the most. Um, variability about them is the obviously the Pelicans, right? Which is we didn't really get to see how they all play together. We got glimpses of it. Um, Zion probably wasn't in that great of a shape yet. Uh, we saw, I think, Lonzo and you and I remarked in our last pod. Um, we liked how Lonzo was was maturing and playing a combination of both on and off ball with with Drew in the backcourt. And then Ingram, I guess that I think I'd have to go check the data, but my the, my eye test says Ingram's role changed quite a bit. You know, when when Zion has, has got the ball and there's a lot more pick and roll, so he had the ball in his hands a lot less. So I'm just kind of going, ooh, what you know, what what is Ingram? Um, although probably if he's he's restricted this, he's, he's restricted, restricted yeah. this off season, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so they'll they'll certainly match any offer, right? So I don't imagine he's going anywhere. It's just. I think there's an interesting roster construction thing going on around there as well as, you know, do they have the right five next to Zion? Does Zion actually, does he have the, the physical um, strength and durability to actually play more five himself? It's probably where he's going to have to end up as if he never develops any sort of shot. So that for me is a franchise where, again, but would they have learned a lot through the, the postseason? Well, it would have been wildly entertaining if they made the eight seed, that's for sure. But I, that's one for me. I've got a lot of – they could go so many different directions as well because, again, they, they they boast any number of draft picks. So you can imagine them sort of um, bundling picks and a combination of the, some of their young players together to get a, quote-unquote, you know, um, second star for Zion. Um, that could even include Ingram in trade. Or they could say it's going to live with this team and – and let it develop roughly on the same timeline. And you forget how young Ingram is. Young, you know, Ingram, Ball, and Zion are all right in that sort of relatively young age bracket. And they take the long range. So that, for me, is another team that's really super interesting with, with where they go. Which is also why I love OKC. Teams who've got assets and good players, and and um, right, and and some vets that have to have trade value, like a Drew or like a like a Chris Paul, as it were. Well, there's any um, the other options obvi- they can go, isn't yeah. there? I mean, we've we've New yeah, Orleans, that's it. even, and, and that's why they'll almost certainly match with Ingram because it's going to be a tradable contract, even if you get halfway through next season. You go, you know, yeah. this is probably not yeah. going to work next to Zion, but guess what? We can bring in a decent draft pick or a, a, a contributing yeah. player for what what he's doing anyway. Um, because I've no doubt, I like what I've seen from Ingram this year. I think he's going to be a, a really valuable player for someone in the he's NBA. Shooting, yeah. Whether it's uh, New yeah. Orleans or not, I'm not sure. Um, but I think if he finds himself yeah. in the right spot, uh, he's going to be a really nice player. Let me let me throw a team at you. What what do Portland do, Daz, in this offseason and, and at the oh. moment? Clearly, Damien Lillard's one of the best players in the NBA. Yeah, the guy when he's hot and he had a stretch again this season where he's almost averaging 50 points a game he's putting up Steph Curry like numbers yet they just have not surrounded him with the right talent at any stage and just I I, I start to wonder even what sort of moves they can make I mean you know to the surprise of very few uh, Whiteside was a complete bust this year so I'm not you know they're sort of running out of ways I, I suppose to try and to try and manufacture this. I mean, do you see a pathway for them to be able to make some moves to bring the right type of players in and, and utilise uh, Damian Lillard the best way they can? 
I think I might earn a million dollars a year if I if I could answer <laughs> that question. Is a that is a that is a great question. Is a bloody tricky question um, without notice. But look, um, my confidence is probably quite low. Um, this is a team that featured, though, as wonderful as as Dame has been. Carmelo Anthony has played significant minutes and started a lot of ball games for them. They traded for um, Trevor Ariza, who played a lot of minutes for them. Right, uh, you got Nurkic. Who knows what we're getting back from Nurk? Who's, who's probably close to coming back? Right, significant yeah. injury and a giant question mark. Um, you've got right Whiteside, who's had a very Whiteside season. Who's you know raw numbers look good. You know, seventeen and fourteen or whatever they are, but you know, just not a modern NBA player. He can't really he can't really defend in space. He's quite limited in that drop sort of Brook Lopezian way, but just has, you know, a very, very different offensive skill set than Brook. So he's just, he's Hassan. You know, like, Egh. you know, what can you get for him in trade? You know, it's he was kind of salary dumped there in the first place. Um, so it's like you've got these, the entire front court is one gigantic question mark. And, you know, it's, I think we mentioned it before, is when your season goes down the drain with a Zach Collins injury, you probably had a messed up roster in the first place, right? So, um, so we got the Collins and Nurk, massive question marks. White size on the answer to any question. Carmelo and Ariza almost certainly, like Carmelo might be back in another min deal next year, but is he going to want to play? That's a little question. He's going to play off the bench 15 minutes a game. So I reckon he's probably going to be gone as much as he'd like to return. So I, I don't know, Daz. I, I don't know. I think they'd have to get super, super creative. And we're going to ask the question again. Do you trade CJ McCollum? Right. To give Dame a, just a different running mate. Right. And, and the older they get, the less valuable they are. Right. In terms of trade assets. I, I don't think you ever trade Dame. That's probably stating the obvious. He doesn't seem like the guy yet. He doesn't make noise. Does he? He doesn't make no, noise about wants to be there wanting anymore. out. Uh, no matter what, so I don't yeah, think that's, that's you sort of get the yeah, you sort of get the feel. He's got the Dirk type, Dirk and Cuban. He's got that relationship with the ownership there as well, where like he's he he and his every member of his family is going to be taken care of for their their lifetime, and he's he might have the type of he's might might be the type of guy who's a a role with the team, you know, Tim Duncan like kind of whatever job he wants, but probably let him do it right sort of relationship with that franchise. So that's a really, that's a bloody, you might've given me the trickiest team in the league to work out a path. <laughs> well, that's the, the thing. The thing about they, them, they've got to do something though, yeah. don't they? I mean, you just, and, and obviously they, they tried to do something last off season, mm-hmm. despite making the listening conference finals. And it hasn't. Yeah. Worked. But you think about between Whiteside, Ariza, and Anthony, that's a lot of minutes. So I go, the ideal state is the Collins and Nurkic are actually healthy. Right, you know what you have with Rodney Hood. I don't know about his injuries either. Mm. So just so many injuries. It's like, you know, they could. Um, get, they're looking for wings, like every, every team in the league. That's their, you know, that's that's the, the Achilles heel of that team. And dare I say, would they have been better with, you know, with um, Harkless and Alfred Mignot this year? You know, maybe, maybe so. But look, I, you know. Um, You'd love Dame to pair with a dynamic front court player, but I just don't. I don't know. Do you see them trade CJ McCollum? No, look, I like, just who's don't gettable think... anyway? What sort of player is gettable? Like, That's right. I mean, I just don't you know. Get, right? If you, I mean, if you you know, if you get a Shea Gilchrist Alexander or something, I mean, that's that'd be the perfect type of player, I think, to throw next to Dame. Yeah, just, yeah. you need that little bit more defense, I think, too. I just think having two small guards just hasn't worked for them at any stage. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. I, I'm not sure what what CJ McCollum's uh, draft value. Oh, sorry, trade value at this this point. I'm not sure that there is a great trade value for him. So, and I think Portland too. They're a they're a classic team. They just haven't nailed any of the free agency moves that they've made, and they haven't sort of nailed a second round draft pick out of nowhere. That some of these teams, like a Draymond Green type, that you sort of you need to get some of those yeah. right 
to to maximise the talent of a guy like Dame Lillard, and they just have not been able to do it. Um, they've been a solid playoff team for a yeah. number of years. I think it would have been interesting had Aldridge stayed, um, what that team would have looked like. But obviously that didn't happen, and then um, you know, yeah, really, yeah, they've sort of made you know they, they they've been competitive at different times, but they've, they they also had the the misfortune of running in the Golden State on multiple occasions in the playoffs and just couldn't quite get over that hump. Uh, and I don't see that, that change anytime soon. But I think they're a team to watch in the off-season anyway. I think if there's one team that's going to make a number of different moves, whether it be by trade... I think that's just... a fair call. But they, I think it's a, that's a really good call. Like they just, yeah, they're going to have to turn over five roster spots just to, to try something. And that might be taking some gambles and taking back some, you know, some, I don't know, like making this up, but like a you take a flyer somehow... Uh, on a Gordon Hayward type person who, you know, maybe wasn't what he was, or you know, Blake Griffin. Do you do you try to package a bunch of money to, to see if Blake can catch lightning in a bottle for a season? And, mm-hmm. and by lightning in a bottle, I mean cartilage in his knees. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so do you, do you take gambles like that? And that's the that's the ultimate sign of desperation. Which which we'll see. I think it's a good call. There's just a lot of lot of questions there, and that. And it's, it goes back to this um, your franchise player conversation and the relationship he has with his team dictates everything. Where you know the ownership's going to try to do everything they can to, to have them win, but man, you just don't see them. You don't see them doing the desperation type moves. You just, I just don't see him doing it. Where you, you dump CJ for a couple picks and a, a young guy to try and steal some upside, or you know you can't rebuild, right? You can't you can't rebuild around. Dame, he's he's got to be pushing thirty, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah you just you just <laughs> good question. Really, really hard question. Right. Maybe one of the trickiest teams in the leagues to work out. Well, yeah. last question before I let you go, and let, let's look at the more bottom of the East now, and just give me one team. Is there one team there, Daz, where you think in the next couple of years I can see this team springing out of the mediocrity and and making a run? At contention, even if it's top four contention in the Eastern Conference, and, and taking you know the nets nets outside of that, with obviously KD coming back, is there any team that's sort of shown some signs of life for you uh, at, at the bottom end of that Eastern Conference this year? You'd want to say Atlanta, but man, I got to see it before I believe it. Um, and then. Uh, you want to say Atlanta? Well, Atlanta's certainly got um, the best young I would, core. I'll, I'll say they that. They got the I, best. Pop, I mean, yeah, Cam Reddish yeah, has think, shown little flashes here and there. So is, um, so is the DeAndre Hunter. Obviously, Trey Young puts up numbers. I'm not convinced he can contribute to winning just yet, but he certainly puts up some eye popping numbers. Herder looks good in spurts. There's no one sort of seems to bring it consistently night to night, and that, that's to be expected from a young team. But whether whether these guys collectively can get it together in the next few years, I'm a bit like you. I'd, I'd have to see it to believe it at this point. Yeah, I think that they're, you know, I think that DeAndre Hunter trade, you know, trading up and getting him and drafting him, probably didn't work out. And it's just, um, it just well, not yeah, a strong not draft to be fair, but um, anyway, no, I'm not sure but, what other players have. So look, I'm gonna go by if I really it's it's remarkable like why a team like Cleveland wouldn't have traded Kevin Love and Tristanton. Like were they really holding out for significant value? You know, was it for you know first round draft picks? Um or was there simply no, no trades to be made? But I would have I actually would have been willing to give them benefit of the doubt if they'd gotten not maybe not for contention, but I would have said I see a clear strategy and I see a clear trajectory. I see what they're doing, and I don't see that with Cleveland. So I wish they would have bottomed out. Detroit tried to bottom out, but now they've got right. They got rid of Drummond for almost nothing, which is remarkable. Um, well, it wasn't that. It was just Reggie not Jackson. him. They just didn't want to. They didn't want him to opt in. Yeah, they didn't want to repay him, they but they also didn't get any value. Right? They got two expiring contracts, and they get a second round pick. They had Delhi Henson and. A second round pick, if I'm not mistaken. No, well, they didn't get um, Delhi. Delhi stayed in Cleveland. They didn't get Delhi. They tried to give him Delhi, but they said no thanks. 
They said, no, thanks. Yeah, we, we don't need leadership. Uh, so no to Detroit. They're going to go down before they go up. New York, no. I think the, the Bulls are a disaster. I think Kobe White can be a player, but he's so wild. I don't know if he can do anything besides score, which is a great NBA skill, but, you know, he's just so wild. So they're they're a million miles away. I don't, I don't know if the NBA likes their players, like Otto Porter. He's been injured and overpaid probably. And Zach Levine, you know, one-dimensional hmm. ACL reconstruction. You know, doesn't even think about playing defense. You know, quite loves himself and he probably fancies himself a, a supermax kind of guy. And they go, ugh, well, Mark and is flatlined under. Hmm. Yeah, Charlotte just not enough talent. They got, what about they got, this? They got possibilities. So, is there a possibility that John Wall comes back and contributes to the Washington Wizards? In well, that's exactly where I was headed, Daz. I was going to leapfrog them and go, I'm going from the bottom of the top. I think Orlando is going to have to sell off its parts. It's just all ill-fitting, too many bigs, right? They still don't have any ball handlers, playmakers, that old story. So I think Orlando is going to need to change its team composition quite a lot. But you're exactly right. I go, I know they're 24, ended up 24 and 40. The Beal, is, Beal can be spectacular. There was some good coaching happening there, Daz, and um, that team enjoyed playing this year. They never quit. Bertans looks like he's a looks like he's a player, and yeah, John Wall should technically be back, shouldn't he? Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, the if thing about squint, Wall was he was oh. so predicated on speed and coming back from an injury like that. You just yeah. wonder yeah. how. You know how how bad is that going to be? You know how how debilitating is that going to be towards Look, his if, major strength? Yeah. If your criteria was top four, I'd say no chance. I mean, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, Philadelphia—they've got young players, a lot of you know, a lot of all stars, all stars on all every team. They need tough, right? You'd need a Philly to break up or for Vic to be ruled out because of you know this devastating injury or right it's just boston's so young tons of assets toronto's got you know just an amazing player development system bucks have the mvp my, my you know you know what i mean so like a breaking top four plus you know kd and Kyrie should be healthy so that's a tough you know probably looking two minimum tunes away i think before you're probably breaking in when you start you know the free agency starts hitting again but yeah, I, I, Orlando should theoretically, or that should be the answer. They have enough. They've had enough talent, enough veterans. If they can make some shrewd trades, I think Orlando has a chance to be a. Well, I like you know, Orlando. A I like a lot of their players yeah. in a vacuum. I just don't like them all on the court together. That's where I'm yeah, at. Like, I like Aaron Gordon as a player. I like Vooch. I think Fultz has had a good year. It's been that's been a good story there. Uh, I like Fournier. I think can can contribute. Uh, to different terms, but just you you sort of put them all together and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't quite fit. Yeah, yeah. They just kind of, you know, Jonathan Isaac had that awful injury. Mm. That's that was that's really setting them back. I, I don't know what his timetable's like, but that was that's the one that re- kind of breaks your heart, right? And Bomba had not been really healthy either, and he's looking like a boy, he's almost looking like a bust. He's shown nothing. In his two seasons, has he? And he was a, gotta be a was he a top five pick? He was a he really was high pick, pick, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. He was the fifth pick from memory. Yeah, I thought he was number five or something. Yeah. Because yeah. he went but, out um, with the try young. Yeah, look, yeah, and I guess that's probably the, maybe my final comment is you, you zoom out and you think that, um, you know, if KD and Kyrie are healthy, you've probably got seven teams already locked in the playoffs in the East next year. And so the East, again, is going to be a whole bunch of kitten mat. Getting wrestling fights, yeah, <laughs> a lot of noise and not a lot of, not a lot of action happening. Whereas you look at the West again, and I think we said last time, Clay, you know, Clay and stuff healthy, um, a rejuvenated um, Anthony Towns, maybe Phoenix, San Antonio. Like you could make the case for all, at least fourteen teams, maybe oh, minus the teams. Teams are going to the playoffs, yeah, for sure. Trying to make the playoffs, yeah. yeah. And there's no team trying to tank, or you still have tanking going on, right? As Detroit, New York, Chicago, Charlotte, Cleveland, all kind of still probably wanting to lose a lot of games and collect 
collect draft picks, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, I think Washington probably the most likely to maybe sneak back into the class from that outside, but Atlanta the most likely to actually make a run at contention um, from that outside, just from the young yeah. assets and the talent yeah. that they have. Uh, yeah. and, and it's going to come down now, I guess, to their ability to put it together. But th- there has been signs of life in Washington, and I didn't think we'd be saying that uh, at the end of the season, uh, the way the way things were looking for that roster uh, at the start of the season. And I guess we're still got to, there's still going to be a little bit of a Bradley Beal trade watch uh, to have, but he certainly seemed like he was invested this year from what I saw of the Wizards game. So we'll, we'll watch this space, I guess. Yeah, I think it's another... It's hard to measure, isn't it, from the outside, but it just looks like a guy who he just has a relationship with ownership, right? Sort of got, when you've got that much power, right? And it does, you can imagine that's very, very difficult to want to, you know, betray that trust and, and or kind of give it up when he probably has a lot of friends around the league who, you know, who've, you know, had to play second fiddle and, mm. and don't get their way. You know, so it's it's probably easier said than done for guys like him and Dame, and, and to an extent, I guess Giannis this way too, where you just can, you can kind of just dictate your terms about a lot of stuff. So, yeah, I, I think we've said that we've mentioned it multiple times. If we ever do, a, if we probably do a full season wrap once we know what's happened with the league, I think we'll, we'll have a, another shout out for Washington, and and no doubt we could probably spend a whole episode talking about all the good coaching that happened this year, mm. but um. But yeah, hard to see. Hard to see um, anyone taking a leap into that top, top four in the next. Certainly not next year. Maybe two years to give Atlanta a crack if they, if Hunter or someone explodes. Yeah, you mentioned but, uh, Golden State. What's yeah. what's their ceiling next year? Do you think? <sighs> Motivated Draymond and and Steph and Clay, they could win fifty. They could. Maybe fifty-one team does. What about a motivated week? Oh, I think you top of that. Who? <laughs> Alan Wiggins from the San Diego Padres? That, no, I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with that term. He doesn't. I don't know why I don't like this kid. He's just poor kid. Uh, I could think they, they could win. Right? I think Utah's Utah's wobbly. I think if Conley doesn't work out, Ingles getting old. I think they're suddenly uh you know. A, a really still wild and a wonderful Donovan Mitchell with, with Rudy. That's a team kind of wobbly. OKC could go a bunch of directions. Who knows? Right? Houston also volatile, you know, um, with that backcourt and their lack of depth and D'Antoni changing courses. You know, Memphis could take it very easily, be a nonlinear, you know, sort of player development. Just they could go back if Trill J doesn't, you know, um, you know, keep progressing. So I think there's a lot of volatility, actually, in a lot of teams in the West. I look at it, so yeah, there's no reason getting you know, fully healthy, um, and probably you know maybe that's a benefit to OKC or to Golden State got some depth now, the the Paschals of the world, and maybe give them a dimension they haven't had before. So yeah, well, I think they could win. an NBA player out of Marcus Christes as well. So anything can happen. Yeah, you, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. I, I I won't lie. I probably didn't see a lot of their games this year. But um, yeah, he's he's he'll earn a paycheck next year. Let's get to give him give him credit for that. You well, know, some of their guys put up numbers. Poole. Let's put it that way this year. But we'll see when they're actually yeah. going for a playoff seeding. How relevant they're going to be uh, in the day? Yeah. That's going to be the big question. I mean, we know Pascal can score, you know, twenty points in a ra- in random games. But is he going to be able to bring it when you? Playing on TNT in a game, yeah. To win but look, if Stephen, if Stephen, if Stephen Clay combine for, if we, assuming we have a, a game, if they combine for even close to seventy games each, right? That that team's going to win a lot of games. Mm, That's case. still like they're still Stephen Clay. Yeah, you know. But yeah. Um, Okay, mate. Well, that's probably a good spot yeah, to leave it. We'll we'll try one. and convene, and we'll we'll certainly talk again, um, and we'll track. <clears throat> Excuse me, we'll track what the decisions are going to be made on the NBA. We also want to do a podcast and sort of look at some other sports. We might even talk some NFL at some stage, Daz, and uh, track for everyone uh, where it was we actually fell out of love with the NFL uh, over the years. And I can can take you through the step-by-step of the Bears breaking my heart into a thousand pieces 
with uh, with all the dumb moves that they've made <laughs> over the past ten years or so. So that'll be that'll be a great pod. I'm sure that uh, all all people that'll be a delight. Love to listen to. Yeah. All right, mate. Stay safe over the week, and uh, hopefully things are a little bit brighter when we when we speak next. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, stay safe, stay, stay clean. Yes. Good luck, pal. Thanks, mate. Bye. All right, bud. Thanks, mate. Bye.